He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. You have some freedom, but there's these standards and rules, and we want to make sure that everyone plays their part. And I understood that. So I knew I couldn't do it in there, and I didn't want to have any conflicts of interest, and you know, I want to sleep well at night. So yeah. that's where I found the outlet kind of being entrepreneurial, right? And the staffing company was not the type of business I liked at the end because it was 24 hours a day, seven days a week, really challenging finding new talent all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I just started writing down ideas of how I wanted my life to be like my perfect day and what that would look like and how can I build a business around it? And it just came into creating solutions for people, pr providing value to them and consulting and the vacation rental, I love because now I can build a team, start building that hospitality brand that I've also wanted to run yeah. with my own rules. So it's a, a great balance for me at this okay. time. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast. Now, let's begin. Running a short-term rental business is challenging and time-consuming. Whether it's 10 units or 1,000 units, trying to keep up with the latest trends, technology, hardware, revenue management, guest support, and R&D, it's become almost impossible and increasingly more expensive for the everyday host. On top of that, all of this tedious work does not allow you to focus on what matters most, and that is your guest. Luckily, this will no longer be a problem. Introducing Journey's MOS, the newest and most advanced tech solution in hospitality. Journey's MOS provides you with a one-stop solution that will automate your entire operation and take care of all of your back office work, allowing you to fully focus on growing your business the way you want to. To learn more about MOS, visit Journey online at journey.com. That's journey, J-U-R-N-Y.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. I think my favorite part about recording now is hearing that like last couple beats of that intro makes it so fun. Um, today, I'm interviewing the one and only Steve Turk, Mr. Miami himself. Uh, at least how I know him from uh, LinkedIn. Steve, my man, how are you doing today? So good. I'm, do I'm doing great. I appreciate you inviting me on. I love the intro music. I'm pumped up. Very Miami. The <laughs> there. Very Miami. Well, good. I've never been, as I told you behind the scenes, I've never been in Miami yet, 
but uh, glad to know I got the, the style of music ready and uh, ready to rock and roll. Oh, yeah, I'm going to have to show you around. You'll fit in great down here. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, let's jump in. Um, there's a lot to go into your story. Uh, I've gotten to recently know you uh, behind the scenes. Uh, for anyone who's listening, um, Steve and I are very active on LinkedIn uh, together, separately producing content and engaging with you know the overall industry. But uh, I've, I've heard about you a while ago, and I think I actually found out through the Lowe's Miami Hotel um, that you were at uh, on their mm-hmm. Instagram page. And that was kind of like the start of it, me just kind of following your journey. Um, but let's jump in. Where, how did you get into the industry? Um, where did it all start for you? Well, wow, it started when I was young. So I was lucky enough where my dad was an attorney representing a lot of the great hotels down here in Miami Beach. And the first memory I have of being like in a really nice hotel was at the Fontainebleau Hotel okay. um, on, on Miami Beach. I was probably 10 years old and his friend or one of his best friends was the hotel manager. And we ended up staying in the Frank Sinatra suite of the Fontainebleau Hotel, which was like this expansive hotel. And as a kid, I was just walking around room to room to room. I was like, man, this place is bigger than our house. <laughs> and I got ocean views. This is great. And I get to watch free movies and I got to go walk around the back of house with the hotel manager. His, his name's Paul Breslin and still a great guy in the industry. And that set it off. And so since then, I fell in love with hotels and then went to Florida State, got into hospitality school. And then Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel was the first place I ever started as the cabana boy on the beach. So you started from cabana boy on the beach to director of what? You were director of food and beverage, correct? That's right. Yeah. I ended up as director of food and beverage at that property. Um, but the way it started was at the Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel, um, year 2000, summer job um, on the pool deck. And it was just the coolest thing because that was the newest hotel and all the celebrities were there. And it was just a fun place to be. And I really fell in love working there. Did you uh, get in a lot of trouble while you were working there? Or did you did you keep on, the, on the clean, safe path? Look, I just say like this, you're just out of college and on South Beach at the hottest hotel. You can have a lot of fun. Yeah, but- We'll keep it at that for we'll the- keep it like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Well, uh, so you did you stay with that hotel the entire time up into your director position, or did you have any new experiences outside of that? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, I thought I was gonna be at Lowe's my entire career, but what ended up happening is like you see it with a lot of people, you have to move cities if you want to grow a yeah. lot of times and you gotta change um your location. I didn't want to leave Miami and you know, I worked up from that pool and beach place location all the way up to director of restaurants at the Lowe's Hotel, which was awesome. And I learned a ton. It was great leaders, great grooming. Um, they just really took the time to teach you and then got recruited to go to Mandarin Oriental, uh, okay. which was a five star, five diamond hotel, you know, ultra luxury. And yeah, they made me an offer like to say you, I couldn't refuse. And there was great people there that I knew just from being in the industry down here and went there and learned a ton being at the Mandarin Oriental of really what high level service is with like, you know, Dalai Lama would stay there and Will Smith stays there, still stays there. Right. It's like a lot of just high level people with a lot of money that expect the best service. So that was great to be there. And then my journey continued. So, you know, I made a move to the, it's an iconic hotel, the Delano South beach down here. And You know, I followed an HR director I was very loyal to. She said, come on over. And, (laughs) you know, it was a cool place. And, 
you know, made the move and it, it didn't last as long as I wanted because they sold it to a new company. Okay. Um, but I got to learn a lot about nightlife there. So that was like the place that I learned nightlife and the celebrities of the moment and everyone running through there. You know, Jamie Foxx was there every Tuesday hanging out just like a normal guy. And you'd see all the like Katy Perry and Russell Brand. Everyone was there all the time. Yeah. So it was fun to see that wild side. But I also learned I didn't love nightlife there. Um, just cause you're working until three and four in the morning and everyone's having a good time and you are working yeah. <laughs> you get to see the most uh, interesting things with people there. Um, but that was fun. And then when it sold, I had to kind of make a choice and ended up with a, you know, followed some great leaders over to Viceroy hotels, okay. um, which had its first property in Miami. It was a great location, but an interesting time. It was kind of like the, the, the head of the lowest point where it was like a downturn of the economy. So that's where I learned how to make good relationships with vendors. So that hotel taught me, get your vendors in place, use them to the best of your ability to create awesome events. Um, and I had a great team there. And to continue on, right, again, loyal to people is how I kind of became, was the HR director left there. And she went to a place called Trump National Doral. It was a, you know, it's a giant hotel before all the politics started. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that place was, hey, come open this mega 800 acre resort. You get to work with the Trump family. At the time, Ivanka was on site all the time. So we got to work with her hand in hand in developing that property. Wow. But that's where I got my entrepreneurial itch was at that hotel. Right. So oh. that's kind of where the switch will come, which I'm sure we'll get into after. So I left, started my company, sold that company and then ended up back with, uh, a great friend of mine who was the general manager at the Eden Rock Hotel. He went back to Lowe's and I went back to Lowe's with him. So that was the circle of how I got back to Lowe's as director of food and beverage. Wow. So can I ask just on a, on a personal note, what was your favorite part um, being within like that luxury, like you starting out in that luxury space? I started out with a four diamond uh, autograph collection under Marriott. Yep. I went down to an independent boutique, very different, um, mm -hmm. that level of like, Last name, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, my pleasure. Yes, it does not exist. Uh, suit and tie. Well, I I looked like a, a freak when I walked in for my interview compared yeah. to everybody else. Um, but just kind of curious, you started out at that level and you stayed at that level consistently. What was your favorite part throughout being in that high end service uh, environment? It was actually advice I got from the gentleman that walked me through the Fontainebleau, Paul Breslin. He's and he's actually on my advisory board of my new company. But he gave me advice that stuck with me. He's like, look stick with top brand names. Cause once you leave those top brand names, it's hard to get back up into those top brand names. Yeah. So I always wanted to do that. But what I loved about it was one, most places you had the team and money to be able to do awesome experiences for guests. Like you could create the most over the top experience for a guest just because they were staying at the hotel. Cause they were celebrating something or it was there, you know, um, they were maybe even having a bad stay somewhere else and you wanted to go over top for them. Or yeah. you know, we, we had a guest that wanted fresh goat milk, right? And maybe I won't say which hotel. We brought a goat in and made that happen, right? And so those are the kind of things when you work in those places that you can do that make it really fun. You almost said, uh, you got me while I was drinking water. I almost, <laughs> so yeah, almost up on that. True uh, story, true story. <laughs> no, but I love that. I think it's so incredible because a lot of times, um, you know, definitely when I stepped out of that four diamond area and went to that independent boutique where the funding wasn't as great, where you had to charge for everything just for a little, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, 
it was hard to to adapt and i think you know having that ability just like hey we're like that makes work fun i think that that makes your job whether you're a cabana guy or if you're uh, a, a director of food and beverage like you get to have fun with that because it's really it's creative um did you ever have opportunities and you don't have to answer this question because i know you're working with some big brands and if they're yeah. listening to this episode might not yeah whatever um but <laughs> did you ever have uh like uh, times and throughout your career where you kind of got shut down to, to for a creative idea saying like, Hey, those guests really needs a better experience. How, how can we do it? And it was kind of stopped because of corporate. Yeah. Look, I think every major hotel, you have checks and balances in place, right. Sure. And it can frustrate the most, you know, you're a creative guy. I'm a creative guy. And there's times that that can hinder the idea you have and make it that much better. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for sure. Every hotel I was at, I've had that happen before because some things were just too crazy. And looking back, I was like, yeah, we probably shouldn't have done that. And, you know, maybe we we did some events that just were, you know, a little wild that we took some risks that, you know, if I owned it and you owned it, you'd be like, hey, man, I don't want someone riding an elephant into their wedding at the hotel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. But yeah, I think some hotels are very different. Right. And some are OK taking wild risks. Right. Like there was one hotel on South Beach that was very over the top and we had someone not wearing clothes and you put sushi all over their body and people would come and eat the sushi off of that person. Right. Oh, That's probably oh. not OK now. All right. That was <laughs> wild and acceptable at that time. And it was like, that's what we want to see. We want these people to have like visceral reactions to cool events and experiences and have them talking about it. Yeah, with COVID, who knows? I don't know if maybe sushi. Yeah, no, that's not happening anywhere anymore. But at the time, you, you, I'm sure you can look back and see which hotel was doing it. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll find it on Instagram or something. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's go into your entrepreneur itch that you're talking about because I, I find it fascinating. Um, you didn't really cover many details, but you uh, started getting that entrepreneur itch throughout that that working with the Trump family experience. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us what was that company and what did you? How did you get into it? What was the idea? What was the spark? Give me the backstory behind all this. Yeah. So when we were opening up the Trump Hotel, we were using a lot of staffing companies at the time um, just because the way that hotel set up, it's in different areas. And so we were opening things in stages. And so we needed staffing companies to help us. And we just could not find maybe there's one out of 10 that were any good that would show up on time and do things the right way. And I saw the you know, the dollar signs of the checks going out to these companies. I was like, man, I can, I can do this better, right? This is something that I'm sure I can figure out and give a better quality service. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Uber was just coming coming onto the scene at that time. I was like, I can Uberfy this staffing agency. Yeah. And I had a great support team because, you know, we were under renovation. I just asked for permission. I said, you know, to the HR director and to the general manager, I said, I like the take a month and try this. And if it doesn't work and I come back, they're like, yeah, for sure. Go get it. But that's the, you know, the supportive culture of that hotel at the time. Yeah. And I went out and got myself a virtual address and started hitting the pavement. And the first client was, you know, the intercontinental hotel downtown. And they said, look, we, yeah, it's great. We need a great staffing company and we need 20 banquet servers. Uh, but we need them in two weeks. Oh, wow. And I was like, all right. We'll make it happen. And I was lucky enough to have supportive wife and, and dad who are both attorneys, get me some staffing agreements in place and yeah, yeah. got my insurance lined up and then went out and hustled. I had to go find banquet servers and make it happen. And when I staffed that event, 
I now had a contract in place with one of the largest hotels in Miami, and it kicked off the journey of growing a 700-person staffing company. 700 persons? Yeah. So in the fourth year, we had 700 active employees all over the city. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of cool because you got to see, like, I wouldn't know just hearing that I wouldn't know how to price that. I, I, how, how would I make money as a, as a company to do that? No clue. But the fact that you got to see the money going out kind of gave you an idea of pricing probably right. on your back end. What was the biggest learning part um, when it came to getting, obviously like to start out with a big contract like that, that's huge and incredible. Yep. Uh, but I'm sure you had a lot of learning lessons on the back end of, did you lose money on that deal? Did you make mo- more money than you expected? What was the, uh, yeah. I mean, look, you know, I was, it was the first time of really running my own business. Like I had done a lot of little things growing up in high school, right? Like flipping basketball cards and doing like DJs for kids parties, but that's not like running a real official business. And what I learned was, yeah, I saw giant checks going out, but learned quickly that the margin on the back end isn't that big because you're have to pay your employees. Right. And so an example, you charge $14 an hour for a housekeeper you got to pay them $10 plus all the taxes and, you know, insurance that goes into it. You're left with 10%, right. Of that $14. So it comes down to a volume business of how many things you can get in place. Hmm. And the one mistake that I made starting which at the time I thought was great was I took a small business loan, right. Of 150,000 bucks. And I was like, all right, I'm in business. I got payroll money. We're ready to go. But then we grew so fast. And, you know, my contract said hotels would pay me every 30 days, but a lot of hotels don't pay on time. Yep. And I still had to pay payroll every two weeks. And there was a great problem to have. I was growing so quickly, but I ran out of that small business funding, right? Because I had to pay payroll and the money wasn't coming in quick enough on the back end yet. Mm. And so when I went to go get more money, they said, no, 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 you're a small business. You already have a small business loan that we're not giving you anymore. Wow. And then people were saying, oh, you should do factoring which is, you know, you know, paying off the invoices and taking a fee, but they wouldn't help me either because there was a small business loan in front that was owed the money. Mm. And so 401ks got cashed out, bank accounts got cashed out. I was proud. I never missed a payroll in the yeah. entire four years. So we made it happen, right? But it's like, what are you willing to do to sure. succeed in this business? So that was the mistake I looked at. I probably wouldn't have done that again, but it worked out just to get started. It gave me the confidence to go out and get started. For sure. So you sold it after four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it successful sell? What What are your? Um... Yeah, it was great. You know, it was uh, a great company out of New York. They had contacted me in the second year. Okay. And at the time, you know, I was way into it. I was all about doing that, and I didn't want to sell. And then in the fourth year, they came back around again. And at that time, my life had changed. I had two kids. Yeah. You know, the business was fun to grow. I had a great team internally, but I was ready to do something else. Like I wasn't as passionate about staffing hotels as I thought about. I missed the action of being inside of hotels too. Um, And so they made me an awesome offer and, you know, couldn't retire offer, but it was definitely life-changing for me. And I'm still appreciative to that company to this day. So it was great to learn with them. That's so cool. That's so cool Mm -hmm. to hear. Uh, how pissed off was the HR manager and the GM of the hotel that you were like, Hey, give me a month. <laughs> and then four years later, uh, you're, you're like, okay, now I'll come back. Uh, now, listen, they were the most supportive. They were, uh, like cheering me on. Like they would check in on me. 
So cool. Um, awesome. I still love that HR director and you know, that GM has since passed away, but he was an awesome, awesome guy. So uh, all the respect in the world to them for helping me on my journey. For sure. Would you say that the culture there in Miami in this like hotel food and beverage spaces like that is very encouraging rather than anything else? Or I think it just depends on the group of people, right? Like what you learn is that like they, every hotel has an orientation. I've been in most of them, right? Cause when I was staffing all these luxury hotels, they wanted me to be a part and it's all very similar. There's certain tweaks, but it really comes down to the people inside those buildings. Yeah. And you can tell very quickly which team you want to be a part of. And the teams were like, wow, something's maybe not right here. Yeah. But I'd say for the most part, Miami is a big city, but has a small town feel in the sec- this sector, right? So in hospitality, we all know each other. We all want each other to win. Yeah. If someone comes to me and tells me they need help within a hotel here in Miami, I'm all about helping them. Mm-hmm. And for any hotel, anywhere. But really in this city, we all know each other because there's, you know, several large hotels and then those filter off to the smaller hotels. So you usually start off in the big ones and move around. So you could walk up and down the street and know people at almost every hotel. Yeah. I used to see you walking around Miami, just finger gunning everybody. Just like, Hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah. well, we'll walk around. We'll see if that happens. <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, man. So, okay. So you sell four years later, where do you mm-hmm. go next? Where, what was the, the part? Yeah. So part of, like I told you, I missed the action of the hotel. Like it's an addiction. Yeah. I think people get that when you're working in hospitality, it's like a love hate thing. Like I love the action within, especially a big hotel or resort. So I had called a couple of friends saying, look, I just sold the company. I'm looking to get back in. And I had no ego. I said, look, my last position was assistant F and B director. I'm happy to start that way again. Four years later, I'd seen some of my contemporaries become hotel managers and GMs in that time. I was like, you know, I just want to get back in. And I had a great, a, you know, a great mentor. His name is Mutlu Kachuk. He's a GM of the Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel. He had just taken his first GM role at the Eden Rock. And he called me, or I, he called me back and he said, hey, I didn't have anything for you when you called, but I'm looking for an assistant F&B director at the Eden Rock and Nobu Hotel. It was two hotels in one. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, let's go. Let's get started. And I started with him there. And you know, that entrepreneur skill and being an entrepreneur, he saw how hard I worked and I really put, like I was getting there at 6 a.m. and not leaving until like 9 p.m. and just hustling to fix everything and, and make things happen. I got moved up pretty quick and he got called back to be the number one guy at the Lowe's. And two weeks later, just I thought he was joking. He called me. He's like, hey, do you want to come back to the Lowe's and be the director of food and beverage here? I said, oh, you're messing with me, man. He's like, no, for real. It just happened. But you have to apply and you have to go through the process. And they interviewed me, I think, harder than anyone. because <laughs> They still remembered me as the pool and beach guy that moved yeah. up to director of restaurants. Um, but it was awesome. They gave me the shot. And, you know, I'm grateful that they did. It was it, it was a fun run. Um, even How, through long COVID. How long were you there? Two years and two months, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. okay that is probably around the time where I started like getting aware of you. I think, I don't know if it was Instagram or if it was LinkedIn first, it was one of the two. Yep. I, know, I know we're on both and uh, yeah. So that makes more sense on timing for, for all that, but um, cool. So like, okay, so now you're at the lows, go through COVID. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, now you got a couple other businesses, adventures that you're on uh, outside. You, you, you recently took the full, the full plunge. 
Um, yep. so I'm curious, can you tell us and, and dump and jump into, cause you're now in, into my world of vacation rentals, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was actually shocked when you told me that I was like food and beverage guy goes into vacation rentals. Like this is super cool. Um, yeah. so yeah, tell me what's, what's going on now. I've said this on slick talk many times before. And as time goes on, it becomes more and more true. Operators have been so used to multiple logins, different dashboards, and overall segregated data points for their hospitality brand. I'm proud to say this is no longer going to be the case for the industry. As a podcast partner, Journey MOS is made for operators by operators. One dashboard, one solution to keep your business in shape and ahead of the competition. If you think this is too good to be true, then you need to go to journey.com. That is J-U-R-N-Y.com to learn how Journey MOS can get you ahead of the big players in your market. And now back to the episode. So being at the Lowe's, again, great place. Love everyone there. Uh, But through the power of social media, right, just being consistent with it and using it daily to kind of put out content, I started getting people reaching out, asking for help on things. And I would just do it, you know, for free. And it was just my pleasure to help people, right? Like I enjoyed it. And then one guy just offered to pay me money. I was like, okay, wait, maybe can I just use some ideas and help people this way and consult yeah. and advise and, you know, spend some more time with my family. Cause I have a young family yeah. and, I just started asking a couple more people and that turned into more yeses. And so that got to the point where, you know, I didn't just burn the boats and jump off. It was like, I built a plan. This is what I want to do. Built an advisory board of people I trusted and hopped off. So now doing Turk hospitality ventures where it's consulting for hotels, restaurants, vacation rentals, Mm -hmm. and then hospitality vendors and startups that are trying to get into hotels and giving them advice. So that's the consulting portion. So within it, one of the guys that used to work with me when I had the staffing agency, Vita Hospitality, he had started up his own vacation rental company Okay. and we had stayed in touch and he said, look, I need help and I want you to, to come be a partner with me. And I was happy. He built a great brand called Tangy Management and he had built it up to about 40 homes on his own. Yeah. And said, I want to, to grow this to the next level and I think you could be a, a great help. So that's the, that's how that happened. And so we're now just kind of similar to how we've talked is bringing these luxury standards into vacation rentals um, and helping him do that. So, you know, they kind of work together, but I have hotel clients and I also have the vacation rental that we're running every day. And we've got a great team of people there and it's just giving advice, structure, you know, financial um, advice, revenue management on the vacation rentals. And it's just exciting time to, to do both right now. How do like, did you ever see your life going down this road at a standpoint? Like some, was there ever a, other than before creating the staffing agency, Mm -hmm. it's like cabana boy. Like, did you ever see yourself going into this like level of expertise, but then also, uh, creativity and entrepreneurship and life changing just moves that you're making? You know, in my head, it was always, I'm going to be the general manager of an iconic Miami Beach resort. I used to write that goal down all the time. I'm a big writer of goals. For sure. Um, But like anything in life, when I had my 
my kids, it kind of changed my perspective on time and what I was doing. And I just started finding that I liked doing things that interested me and doing it how I wanted to do it. Right. And you, that's not the way a hotel works all the time. Like that. And like not a lot of people get when they get into consulting, like i saw so many people 2020 COVID happens, they get furloughed, they get laid off, whatever. Maybe I'm a consultant now. And then they're yeah. just constantly hitting people up and mm-hmm. like muscles there, but then it fizzles out like a month, two months, three months later. Right. Cause it's really hard to make money consulting. But a lot of people, I, I think yes. when they, they hear the word consulting and they think of, you know, I'm not going to do much. I'm going to be really focusing on my computer and being do like, like very little limited work. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of work into it. Yeah. Uh, and as you know, mm-hmm. the fact that you could start out, you know, quitting your day job and actually being not reliant on that income anymore, that you're having that, that there. Um, and I think that's where you and I related because you're also not out of the game. You're able to create that hospitality brand with tangy management. Yeah. I think that's kind of like why my business partner, Adam and I like teamed up and it's like, we were out of the game. He was out of hotels. I was out of hotels. I was in vacation rentals on the podcast side. Yep. I missed that property feel like you get, it's a, it's a, it's a different type of feeling. I could walk into that first hotel I ever worked at and just feel at home. Like I just, I don't know how to describe it. And, uh, and so I think that's where you and I connected and related. And so it's really cool that you get to not only just, consult and help and bring value to other companies, but then you're really going to be building and applying the same strategic uh, methods and operations and revenue management, all that other stuff on the back end of your guys' company um, as an example. I, and I don't know if a lot of people get the value of it. They think that you just do one, but I think if you have both, like there's a huge power behind yes. it. Uh, has that been the response that you've kind of seen uh, in the last couple months? Yeah, look, it's, I think you hit on something. I think also, you know, and for people who work in a hotel, for sure, it's like a small city, right? Yeah. Or a small town, depending on the size place that you're at. And there's multiple departments and you have to be ready to conquer multiple things in a day that are completely different, right? Mm-hmm. Engineering is completely different than the food and beverage versus the sales or the revenue management or dealing with the guest. And so for me, it's normal to have multiple things going on at what time, right? It's, it's normal for me to have all right, you have this dinner here, but you also have to do training. You also have to do hiring. You also have to figure out um, the product mix you're going to have, right? So for me, I love having multiple projects going on because it keeps me stimulated, always learning and growing. So I've been lucky enough that I had hotel clients right out the gate from starting, right? So you said it, right? A lot of people are like, what happened? Did did you get fired? I was like, no, this is is all part of the plan. Yeah, yeah, You can see that I've built this smartly. You can see on my website who the advisory team is and also having the vacation rental start right off. Um, It was all built this way. Your LinkedIn audience is incredible too. Like you've got like, I thought, I I think I checked, it was like 12, over 12,000 like connections and followers on just one platform. Um, yeah. so it was like, you already had that network, which a lot of people struggle because they think they're going to get into it without a network. They're going to get into it without connections. And they're starting like, great. A lot of them can make it and do make it. But the fact that you are able to start out strategically with solid network, solid clients already, mm-hmm. and contracts are done. You didn't have to find those 40 homes. Nope. Um, yeah, that's like, yeah, it's like, it's all about managing your risk. Right. And I think that there's times that you need to take risks. Like I took, it's definitely a risk leaving. Right. But it's a managed risk that planned out over several months and just try to do it the right way. Because 
in the end, you want to be successful, right? Yeah. And, you know, it was my dad. My dad gave me great advice. He said, look, it's not uh, ready, fire, aim. It's mm -hmm. ready, aim, fire. Figure out your plan, execute it, and go after it. And so I, I took that. So, yeah, I'm going to use that before I burn the boats here and hop off onto the island. I'm going to make sure I got a plan here. I love that. I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote that, uh, that part of the the podcast just <laughs> in the earlier part of the episode. That was, that was good. Um, no, I, I like that. And I think, um, I guess what can you, you know, what can you say you've learned the most? Like what's been the biggest takeaway aha moment, um, getting into, into Tangi, but mm -hmm. also doing this full time. Um, is there, has there been like anything that's kind of happened or been solidified for you as, as a, just an overall person? Yeah. So I'll, I can start with the vacation rental portion and then the bigger part. Yeah. And the aha moment was, you know, when I was thinking about this in August, which is pretty recently, right? I took a trip to Asheville, North Carolina and stayed in a vacation rental there. And we hadn't traveled in a long time and we paid for me, it's a lot of money, right? To go into this awesome home that we saw, super excited to get there. And then we had all these challenges mm. and I couldn't get the service I expected of a luxury product. Yeah. Right. And just started asking other people about it. And they said, yeah, you know, there's very few, there's some that do it great, but there's still a lot of room to do it better. Yeah. And that's kind of what solidified in my head is like, all right, we can make an impact. Like people like you, me, we can make an impact because we are hoteliers getting into the space mm -hmm. that understand that level of service that's required of someone when they're staying in that hotel. Cause a lot of people I see they're great. They built great companies, but they are more realtor based number based. And I give them all the credit for building great brands, but I still think that heart of hospitality is, is not everywhere yet. And so that's going to give us room to do. So that's kind of what opened my eyes again was like, all right, we got some space there. Mm -hmm. But the other bigger picture is using whatever voice you have or whatever knowledge you have is sharing it online. And it's funny. I got my first couple of haters like two years ago. I remember sharing that with some of my buddies. I was like, I can't believe this guy's making fun of me. Right. It's like crazy to me, especially on a professional place. Um, but the positives so far outweigh the negative, just sharing knowledge and being genuine and providing value to people, I think is what allowed me I think I know it allowed me to leave and start something of my own again. Yeah. It, it the good definitely outweighs the bad, but when the, I, I remember when I saw my, my five-star rating on Apple podcasts go to 4.9 and I was like, what? Yes. <laughs> Someone left a, a bad review. And I was like, what the heck? Okay. I don't even know this person, but all right. Figure yeah. it out. Uh, I remember, I remember them clearly. And for whatever reason, the haters stick out in your heads. How do you block them out? Keep moving forward. So now it's, it's more, I'm not, I'm used to it now. So it's, it's great to just, out good stuff for sure i i think that a lot of like you can tell and i don't know if it's just because of the age of you know time that we're living in um i think you can tell online and in person like there's a lot of people online where i was like yeah i kind of like this person i like the content they're putting out and then you meet them in person or virtually and it's completely different you're like oh man your online's a facade versus a lot of people don't post a lot of stuff online but you meet them in person they're incredible people and you're like oh my gosh i'm your biggest fan yeah uh, and so uh, i think a lot nowadays people can kind of tell who's genuine and not i think it's becoming easier and it, it, at least in my perspective it's becoming easier to tell the good from the bad like i yeah. usually get that gut feeling 
pretty quickly. Like this person has bad intentions. This person is really focused on themselves not really bringing value to anything else. They're just trying to sell, 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 or they're just trying to do this, whatever. Um, and I think like from seeing your stuff and you probably seeing a lot of other people's and whatnot, mm-hmm. and they're like, it's just becoming easier. I think it's just, yeah, there's, there's no way people can hide it much more. I don't know. No, I think look now with social media, the power of the internet, everything that's happening is if yeah. you are a good person, you will see that it will be like a megaphone for good people and good hearted people. And if you're a bad person, man, that will spread around so fast, right? If you're not a trustworthy person, that will spread around even faster. And I've seen it just happening in, in real life, right? Like where, you know, hey, karma comes around and you're now out of the game. People aren't going to help you anymore. Like you've exhausted all your options. And so I just never want to be that person. I just think yeah. if, like, you know, we can help and offer help to as many people as possible. It's always good. Sure. I, yeah, totally agree. Um Okay, so I'm excited to hear. Okay, so consulting, tangy. Yep. What's 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 the? Do you have anything in development? Are you like? Is there a next step? I know uh, mm-hmm. one. We have one cool announcement we can share with the audience um, uh, re- regarding podcasts and whatnot. But I'm just kind of curious for you. What's what's next for the you know 2022 new year coming into play? Um, I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions, but more of like you know, this is a, this is a new chapter, I think in a lot of our lives. So just kind of curious, anything, anything exciting popping up for you? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm happy you, you mentioned the podcast. So under, we'll say the Turk hospitality umbrella is creating brands. So Tangy fits under that umbrella, yep. right? Next coming up is the podcast on, uh, with you, right? The hospitality mentor, which my first episode records next week. So I'm excited to build that brand with you on hospitality FM. All right. We're going to make that um, amazing. And the goal for 2022 is really building other brands under the Turk hospitality umbrella, right? So the consulting gives me, keeps me sharp. It makes me meet a lot of people. Um, yeah. but it's now building different brands under that. So it will continue on. So I can say there might be something with wine, with coffee that are going to be under that umbrella that are coming up. So you'll see some things I think pretty soon. Um, but it's exciting to see, uh, what, what is coming with just providing value to people. For sure. I love that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if you're talking coffee or wine, listen, man, when you're in Miami, you might have to do some taste tests with me. I'll, I'll, yeah, taste tests. And I'll, uh, I'll even send you my address because, uh, I'm I'm a sucker for those. I I don't know why. Um, but no, uh, that's good, man. I'm I'm excited. And I think it's really cool because, you know, we can learn a lot from, I love the umbrella brand and I'm learning this with hospitality.fm is like, okay, like, you know, mm-hmm. I thought it was be slick talk media, but more or less it's like, Hey, let's just create something that's valuable for everyone in different segments, but under one big uh, umbrella that doesn't limit, you know, what segment of hospitality. Um, yeah, I agree with you. It's Cause it's all, look, it's all, I think it's, the lines are getting blurred for sure. right? in hospitality. And I think more and more, like I see it, every hotel brand is going to have a vacation rental style property because yeah. that's the lifestyle people want. Yeah. I see food companies, brands now getting into the hotel space, right? Like I was at one with Nobu, right? Nobu restaurants became Nobu hotels and I'm sure they'll have vacation rentals coming down the line. Cause I would love to stay in one. Oh, yeah. so I think all the lines are kind of getting blurred between hospitality. And that's what excites me the most, right? Is getting in there and, and helping develop those, things that are happening sure and okay so i'll give you this one last question or well, two last questions yeah uh, besides the the lines getting blurred 
What's your prediction for the next one to three years? Hospitality in general, doesn't matter what segment, other than the lines being blurred. And I'll ask you the last question last. So what do I think is going to happen? I think that the brands that really focus on creating unique experiences, not just like the overall guest experience, but unique experiences for the people coming to their establishment, whether it's a hotel, restaurant, vacation rental, are going to be the big winners because everyone's been pent up. You know, travel is going to explode. We see it already happening in Miami, which has become one of the most popular cities to come to. The places that are doing the best are creating the moments that people can create long lasting memories. And so those are the people who are going to win. And when I talk about memories, it's not just like, oh, here's a little champagne and strawberries in your room. It's like, oh, I got to, you know, meet this celebrity that happened to be here in the hotel or they have, uh, something I can make with my family, this artwork I can do, or I can be a part of creating, you know, you know, part of the menu and work with the chef, like all these kind of things I think are what's going to happen more and more. So whoever could be the most creative will be the most successful. Love that. Love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question is where can everybody find you? What What's the one link in the show notes that you would just send everybody to? Ooh, my LinkedIn. You come to me, you just find me, Steve Turk at LinkedIn, and everything else is attached there. I just find it to be the best platform for me right now. But you'll find my Instagram there. You'll find my whole bio there. Everywhere else you can find me is in the bio on my LinkedIn page. I love it. LinkedIn's the best. So I'm, I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan of it every day. Um, awesome. Well, Steve, I just really appreciate you taking the time to kind of tell your story on the show. Um, I'm excited to continue to work with you uh, with yep. the Hospitality Mentor under Hospitality FM and Turk Ventures and just seeing all the stuff that you're going to do. Um, I'll see you next month. Uh, if the listeners are listening, um, we're recording like, what, two weeks before Christmas. So may or may not uh, have met in person by the time this launches. But at the end of the day, I'm excited to meet you in person and shake your hand and uh, maybe do some coffee and wine tasting. We'll do coffee and wine tasting for the listeners. We'll find a place and we'll send it out to you all. You can all meet us if you're in Miami. It'd be great to get a whole group of people together. Let's do it. Let's do a live podcast meet and greet. Down. We love it. Well, thanks again for having me, Will. It was great to be on with you. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. And we will talk again very soon. Listeners, if you have uh, not looked at the show notes, look at the show notes. Click the links in the bottom. Follow, like, and subscribe. All things Steve Turk. And we'll see you guys again next week. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoy the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week. In hotels and vacation rentals, the top complaints or issues are noise, garbage, and parking. I may not be able to solve all of your parking and garbage problems, but I could definitely help with your noise problems. And that actually might just help your garbage and parking problems too. So NoiseAware is the only 100% privacy-safe noise monitoring solution that property managers and owners can use in order to ensure they avoid parties and other issues happening at their property. You won't get notified when a plate breaks 
But if you have a little quiet get together that kind of gets out of hand like this, then NoiseAware will give you the peace of mind to ensure that you and your property, and of course, your profits are protected. So use my code SLICKTALK20 to get 20% off of all noise monitoring devices and focus on the other important things that help you run your business. Now, thank you for checking out Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Get back to the episode. and Don't forget to check out NoiseAware while you're listening. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, then you are amazing, and thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill-out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast.